Good evening, everybody. This is Scott Cole with In the Crease Avalanche Report. I am here with Mike Herschel and Greg Doudna. Greg Doudna is new with us. Uh, he's going to be joining our Avalanche team moving forward. So look forward to hearing more from uh, from Greg and Mike moving forward. As most of you know, this week of the NHL with the Colorado Avalanche has not been a fun one, as their games were postponed on Thursday, uh, first game against Minnesota Wild. And they're not scheduled to resume any activity until next Saturday when they, I believe, go to Vegas. I believe Vegas is the oppo uh, opponent um, next weekend. But no St. Louis this week. St. Louis actually played their games today against the Arizona Coyotes. Um, and we have yet to get rescheduled with our fourth game against the Minnesota Wild and our back-to-back -back series that was going to take place this weekend with the St. Louis Blues. Um, so, Mike, how you been? I've been all right, man. Uh, it was a little bit of a bummer to hear that the Avs weren't going to be uh, playing for this, uh, you know, next week. Sure would have made the week go by a lot faster because it just seemed like this week was dragging on and on, like an unofficial bye week, you know, like yeah. no hockey. Like wow, this is, my life's kind of boring. <laughs> I, I I find that very interesting. I was in the same boat myself, stuck watching other hockey teams and like my interest isn't as uh as deep with other hockey teams as it is with the Colorado Avalanche although that I did make a bit of money this past week um through bet MGM and everything you know picking uh the goal scores for specific games and then I promptly put that money back into it and promptly lost it all is the way say la vie it is how it is with the with the sports betting world Greg uh same same feelings that Mike is expressing with the with the lack of uh, actual avalanche hockey going on right now. Oh, one hundred percent. And it was you know kind of depressing waking up in the morning and, and finding out the game was uh, was postponed, and then kind of sitting around like, great, what do I do for the rest of the day? And then getting the news of, oh yeah, and by the way, the rest of the week's postponed too. It was like, cool. Now what do I do with myself? I think this is uh, this is fun. Yeah, cool. <laughs> I'm just gonna run out into traffic now. Thanks. Uh, yeah, exactly. <laughs> I think that's a feeling most of us got. On the on the other side of it, you got to look at it as um, this gives the Avalanche a chance to rest, recuperate, heal. Um, mm -hmm. We've got several players out. Eric Johnson was out. Looks like he took that nasty hit, the hit to the head in Minnesota. I uh, you know it's listed as an upper body injury, but you know the smart person is mm -hmm. going to go, oh, that's a concussion. You know, and yeah. the NHL player safety does not mess around with concussion symptoms. Um, we have another player out with lingering concussion symptoms in Matt Calvert, hence the pink visor that Mike and I discussed last week uh, on the podcast. Then you have uh, the news that Pierre, uh, you know, Pierre Edouard Belmar is still out with that lower, bo lower body injury that hit to the knee. Um, the breaking news, I think, this weekend was uh, Pavel Francois was officially moved to the injured to the injured reserve um which is uh, a big a big question mark you know is hunter miska going to be miska or adam werner going to be able to back up philip grubauer that entire time and can philip uh -huh. grubauer handle the workload so far so good with philip grubauer and that he's got seven wins and his goals against average i believe is a sub two maybe yeah it's, it's a one six seven right now one six seven goals against average. I mean, that's that's impressive in my book, Mike. I I, I know uh, goaltending has been an issue with the Avalanche in the past, and it's something that 
people have a huge question about, but is this the Philip Grubauer we've been waiting to see since picking him up from the Washington Capitals? I believe so, brother. I really do. Uh, it's exciting to see number 31 in that the entire time, uh, you know, especially from an ass perspective. And just, like, the rough transition that it seems the Avalanche have had ever since Wall left, man. I mean, we haven't really been as bad, I don't think, as the Philadelphia Flyers going through nine goalies in three seasons. But, um yeah, I mean, it, it builds, it, it, as a fan, I think it builds your confidence, especially seeing number 31 out there, even though number 39 is kind of just, you know, waiting in the wing, obviously put on long-term IR. So, you know, we're, we're just going to see more and more of him. And at this break, it's like a blessing in disguise. I think it kind of helps the avalanche more than it hurts them. Blessing in disguise, absolutely. But I think uh, I think the direction you were going was, it's it's great to see the Avalanche heal, but with a hot goaltender the way F- Philip Grubauer is running, this break may be a cooling off period for him, and that's definitely not something we want to see. Um, You're right, you know, and when, when you have a goaltender who, you know, we, we kind of saw it when we played Anaheim. You know, you get, get a guy like uh, John Gibson who just comes in, he's on fire, and you you know you can shut down teams like the Avs, and so when you see. You know, Grubauer, who, like I say, won six, seven goals against, and that, that puts him at third in the league. You know, his, his save percent is good for seventh right now at, at 934. You know, you, you don't want to see that stop. You don't want to see any any speed bumps come along or any, you know, brick walls kind of come along and, and say, hey, you know, you're hot right now, but guess what? You're not playing for a while, so good luck picking it back up when you're when you're finally back out there again. Absolutely. And one of those teams that has a tendency to get hot and stay hot and just find their group in games is the Vegas Golden Knights. And those are that's an upcoming opponent. I believe we have a four-game set we're supposed to play against them, which is supposed to take place after uh, – because uh, I think we played Arizona in the middle of the week, and then we go to a four-game set against uh, Vegas the following weekend. Right. So um, Vegas is one of those teams. Their offensive weapons, you see a lot of tic-tac-toe passing. You've seen it in – you know, since their inception, and, you know, they they get on a roll, it's hard to stop them, and you, if you don't have a hot goaltender who can track that puck and, you know, per, you know kind of anticipate their moves, you're going to be in for a rough night, and, and it's one of those things. I, I, I firmly believe it's going to be Philip Grubauer in net as much as possible against a team like the Golden Knights, because um, what we've seen from Hunter Miska, don't get me wrong, Hunter Miska looks like a decent decent goaltender but he's had two starts both have been losses um some of it's been the play in front of him some of it's just been him not moving as or anticipating as those puck movements as well as what philip grubauer has and uh i think the coaching staff can get him there but i don't think quite hunter miska is quite ready for the full-time nhl level experience and that's where we need pavel francos to come and fill that fill that role um when we'll get Paul Belfrancos back, we don't know. So, uh, do we see? Do we think there might be a chance we see a, a flip flop in the backup goaltending with that trend? I mean, the Avs have won consistently and gotten points in several games, but you need that consistency of goaltending. If you come to back to back games and you really want to break away from break break away from the pack, you got to find somebody on that back end of the goalie tandem that's going to win you that game or at least get you a point. And that's not something we've seen with Hunter yet. Sunday's game. 
uh, in Minnesota, we lost, what was it, 4-3 in overtime? So I think the big key in that game was Eric Johnson was at out, Belmar was out, and Nathan McKinnon went down at the end of the second period and did not come out for the third. I haven't gone back to rewatch that game yet, but the overtime goal looked. I don't think the Avalanche really had control in that overtime period at all. You know, it was Minnesota in control the entire time. And uh, they kind of pushed pushed the pace of play, and I think that's what that's what led to that overtime loss. But you still collect a point in that game. And heading into this past Thursday's game, we were on a one, two, three, four, five game point streak, uh-huh. a, a total uh-huh. of uh, nine points in five games. It's pretty impressive in my book. Puts the Avs up towards the top uh, in the uh, Honda West Division. Oh crap! Yeah. And right now, Ryan Graves is tied with one, two, three, four, five. Well, five other players for twenty fourth in the league for block shots. That's it. And that's sitting at a nineteen. Yeah, Ryan Graves has not been that impressive for uh, so far this season. Um, I actually okay. think he's kind of in the doghouse right now with. Uh, with Jared Bednar, I mean, he, you go from being a plus 40, you know, best defenseman in the league last year to, I don't even th- I think he's still, in the, you know, on the negative side of the plus minus right now. But, uh, minus five. Minus five. Um, yeah, that's, uh, that's not good. I think that's why we're seeing Connor Timmins and uh, Jacob McDonald and players like that come up and play um, mm-hmm. and, and cover some of those times. Uh, once uh, I think once Eric Johnson's healthy and stuff, you might see you might see Ryan Graves be that healthy scratch on the roster, and substitute one of these younger talents in there, and you occasionally give Ryan Graves that time that opportunity to prove himself. But right now, I don't put Ryan Graves on the on the on the penalty kill, uh, and I, I reduce his play. I reduce his time on ice significantly. So. No, I completely agree. And there was the I can't remember what game it was, but he ended up kind of taking a stupid penalty where he. Uh, I know exactly what game you're talking work. about. It was behind yeah. the net. I think it was the first game in Minnesota. He was behind mm-hmm. the net. He was chasing a player. the The guy was protecting the puck, and he kind of like went to go poke check him, and right into yeah. his left skate and tripped him. He had no yeah. opportunity to poke check the puck, and the refs right. just like, "What the hell, dude? That's a tripping call. You gotta go. You gotta go to the box." Yeah, uh, it it was the dumbest. It was the dumbest penalty he could have taken, and mm-hmm. you know, as as me as a coach, I'm looking at him. I'm going, "Come on, man! Right. You're making this yeah, too easy right. on me as a head coach to to limit your ice time." Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. And those are just those are the easy ones, man. You know, the, the it's <laughs> you know it's a lot harder when it's a when it's a penalty that. You know, you kind of look at it and go, oh, you know, it was in the heat of the moment, or it was just it was a quick play. Is it the heat of the moment, or you actually saved a you actually saved a shot on goal or a potential breakaway? But there was nothing going on at that point in time when he took the penalty, and it sets it sets up uh, it sets up a rare it sets up a situation. You know, you look at the Avalanche with their with their defensive depth now. What's the issue been the past ten years for the Avalanche? Oh, we don't have any defensive depth. But now the Avalanche are like, 
you want a defensive player? We got him. I mean, yeah. Kale McCarr, Bowen Byram, you know, Jacob McDonald, Gilbert. The list goes on and on, and not even to mention those who aren't even playing with the team right now. I don't know if you guys saw the game the other night for Boston College, you know, mm-hmm. went to overtime, you know, five seconds left in overtime, overtime Drew Hellison drives from his own friggin' zone into the into uh, the offensive zone, deeks two friggin' players, and just puts this amazing shot on, this amazing puck on net, and it scores a goal with like two seconds left in the game and wins it in overtime. <laughs> Nice. That's another young defenseman who's playing with Boston College right now who is mm-hmm. going to be an avalanche prospect probably next year and may find his way eventually onto the team in the two in two or three years. Yeah, exactly. Uh, you know, yeah, same with Justin Barron that we just drafted. Oh, I mean, yeah. Like, <laughs> Justin Barron had a great time in, in the World Juniors and everything too. So I'm just like, Ryan Graves, you know, I was impressed with him last year. Last year was his first full year with the team, you know, and mm-hmm. – what he did last year, I was like, all right, cool, you know, this was un- unexpected, and I'm pretty sure the Avalanche were feeling the same way. This is totally right. unexpected from him, so maybe we can move forward with that. Yeah. Mike, Greg brought up something uh, pretty interesting. Um, Greg, you reported, who was it that broke the news? Mike Chambers. Mike, Mike Chambers, Chambers of the Denver, the, Post? The Denver Post? Yeah. yeah. So Mike Chambers of the Denver Post apparently wrote an article saying that Eric Johnson could waive his no-movement clause uh, ahead of the expansion draft. And I believe you and Mike, Mike, you and I talked about this before the season even started, that this was a possibility. With the expansion draft being, I believe, June 21st is the scheduled time for the draft, or it's like late June, I believe. He's owed $6 million, I think, over you know each year for the next three, four seasons, I think is what he's locked up for still. It's the 22, 23. So okay, two, so seasons. three seasons. <laughs> so if he moves his no-movement clause, especially after what we've been seeing so far, because Eric Johnson's only played, I think, four games for the Avalanche or dressed for four games, you know, missed some time with conditioning for COVID and is now out with a concussion. Um, do you think it's time for the Avalanche to move on from their veteran player in Eric Johnson? You know, to me, that's a hard question. Uh, that's a hard question to answer, and I'm glad I'm not the person who has to make that decision uh, because I'd probably be keeping myself up countless nights whether debating whether I should, weighing the pros and cons. So uh, I'm glad it's not me. But uh, my heart says no, and my brain's teetering on yes. So... You do what's best as a GM, you know, you do what's best for the franchise. You do what's best for your organization. Now, if you end up doing right by another player by moving them, you know, uh, given with, um, you know, the brightest situation with Nolan, like that's just a, you know, that's just a cluster F, right? Mm -hmm. I mean, you're not exactly trying to essentially hurt the player's feelings, but at the same time, you're also trying to better your organization. So, like I said, I have to go with my heart on this, and my heart says no, you don't move on from him. I think Johnson, to me, is too valuable to let go, and I think he has that uh, leadership quality to build up the potential future leaders for this team. I firmly believe Kale McCarr that we'll see an A on his jersey in the future, um, specifically just with his leadership. And 
obviously with his skills that he has. Um, you know, another one, Byram, as soon as he's not necessarily done developing, but as soon as he comes into that, you know, uh, uh, absorption type of mindset where he just, he knows, he notices what Johnson's done. He, he knows what his leadership qualities are, this, that, and the other. I think, I don't think it's time for Johnson to move on. But then again, that's kind of where my brain comes in. It's just like, well, if Johnson does move on, that means we can protect our future core. But our future core doesn't have that, like, leadership quality yet. But, I mean, I don't know. Like I said, I'm glad it's not me making the decision because I wouldn't know what to do. Yeah, it's a, it's a tough situation. And, Greg, I think we spoke briefly on it before we started the podcast tonight. Was um, even if he moves, even if he waves his no movement clause ahead of the expansion draft and goes unprotected by the Avalanche, you know, there's a possibility he may not get selected as the pick from the Colorado Avalanche for the Seattle Kraken. But you know, at that at that point in time as well, he could still be cons- be seen as a valuable asset to other teams. Um, mm-hmm. You know, a veteran defenseman at six million dollars a year may seem like a lot, but in retrospect, it may work out for some teams, um, depending on where he goes. Plus, that six million that we would free up within the Avalanche organization could go a long way next season to. Um, signing key players like Kale McCarr or Gabriel Landeskog to a, a long-term contract within the Avalanche organization itself. Um, what are what are your thoughts on uh, Eric Johnson? Do you feel the yeah, same I, as Mike, it, or you have a different opinion? Yeah, you know, I, I hate to say I'm I'm kind of right there in the same boat as Mike. You know, my my heart absolutely says no. Nah, he's he's been you know, a staple for quite a few years. He's, you know, a hell of a leader as we've, we've seen, you know, even from his time when he was in St. Louis, you know, they, they really loved him. And I, I know that they didn't necessarily want to give him up. It just kind of got to that point where they were like, well, we need to understand what's coming for the future of our franchise. And so shipping him here was kind of in their best interest. Um, but yeah, it's just, you know, it's so tough because like we said, yeah, he's 32. And as we've seen, the, the league's just getting younger and younger and younger mm-hmm. and younger. So that's really hard to kind of to you know say okay you know you're you're probably not past your prime per se but you're definitely getting up there in, in years in comparison to yeah someone like a Bo Byram who's, who's 19 and is just showing flashes of, of brilliance already you know and so it's it's tough because I, I want to look at it and say you know from a defensive core standpoint you know you can you kind of have your top two lines. You know, you have your, you know, Kale and Bo and then um, Devon Taves and Sam Gerrard. Like, you know, with, with those four, you kind of know those are your, your top two lines, regardless of how you kind of mix those those four guys together. And so to me, it would be great to kind of have him in that, that third pairing um, spot where he just, you know, he kind of becomes that, that staple back there of, you know, really teaching these guys like Bo and, and Sam and Kale. You know, and, and even Devon, I mean, he's still pretty young. I think he's, what, 24, 25, Third something year like that. in the league. Yeah, so you know, they're all just so young. You don't really want to, to lose all of that experience. But at the same time, yeah, that is just that is such value of $6 million a year going towards keeping Kale here long-term, keeping Gabe here long-term, hopefully through the rest of his career. You know, it's it's tough. You know, you know, 
ditto to Mike, man. I'm so glad I'm not the one making that decision because I, I wouldn't know what to do. I really wouldn't. Have fun, Joe Sackick. We we await your uh, we await with abated breath on what you plan to do. I mean, um, I don't know about you guys, but I was kind of caught off guard with the Ian Cole trade to Minnesota in exchange for Greg Pattern, and you know, and you know less you know taking on a lesser salary. I mean, it kind of makes sense in one way with dumping some salary, but at the same time, as we're talking with Eric Johnson. Ian Cole also had that veteran experience and is a two-time Stanley Cup winner with the Pittsburgh Penguins. Um, sure. You know, Mike and I discussed on an earlier episode, um, you know, his numbers last season for, for Ian Cole were very similar to his, uh, I believe, his 2016-2017 run with the Pittsburgh Penguins when they won their cup. Or, or uh-huh. were exactly the same, uh, if I remember correctly. So... Surprising move by uh, Joe Sackick in moving Ian Cole, um, you know, yeah. moving him to Minnesota, especially to another division opponent. You know, right. I figured you might want to shoot him off somewhere else where you're like, no, no, we don't want to see him. We know how he can, <laughs> how if he's on it, then he can play in the corners and he can rough us up. We don't want to see that. But, uh-huh. uh, you know, it is what it is. Um, Something else I wanted to touch on real quick, like, I have full faith in Joe Sagic, um, and like always have ever since he retired and got into the whole management business. Like I have full faith, like in Joe, we trust, right? I can honestly say when he traded, uh, Cole for Patterson or Paterin, sorry. Um, like that was like a move that I was just like, what the hell are you doing? Yeah. Like, okay, like, you obviously know what you're doing because you've put this this core together, this great team. You've obviously done this, that, and the other. Okay, all right, I'll trust you. I don't like it, but I'll trust you. Yeah. Whatever. It sucks, whatever, I'll take it. But you know what? Joe's obviously, he's got something up his sleeve, right? But we don't know what it is, so. Yeah. Greg, you look like you're going to say something. Yeah, absolutely. Because, um, you know, I, I think out, out, of, out of the three of us, I was the only one who wasn't really that surprised by that. Um, you know, the, the numbers were definitely there, but, but one of the numbers that I think kind of gets, you know, uh, brushed under the rug a bit is unforced errors and giveaways. Um, that was something I, I really noticed because, uh, ever since last season's playoffs, I really kind of kept an eye on Cole because of his, you know, kind of his repertoire, you know, his, his, uh, resume of coming over, having the two Stanley Cups. I wanted to kind of, you know, keep an eye and, 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 you know, really see that he was that caliber. And while he, you know, he was he was phenomenal at making defensive plays, but he made a lot of unforced turnovers and a lot of unforced errors in that you kind of saw that he had this mentality of when he would go into the corners, he'd make a great play for the puck. You know, he'd throw in a good check or he'd, he'd put in a good stick, but then he'd kind of get the puck and just whip it. Yep. You know, there wasn't kind of that that initial get the puck look for a play. It was almost kind of just get the puck, get it out of the zone. Play. Yeah, let's let's real quick try and try and you know push it away, and it ended up kind of you know leading to a lot of opportunities for opposing teams in the offensive zone. So there were a few times I kind of found myself going, mm, you know. I, I always like leadership. Leadership is fantastic. It is, it's, in my eyes, kind of underrated, you know, because we do want to see everyone be younger and faster and stronger. 
but you need those those mindsets there too. But when it kind of comes along with a package that that makes those kind of plays, I could I could definitely see where 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 Joe was coming from in you know kind of giving up because we have someone like an Eric Johnson, we have someone like Gabe Landeskog who's who you know hasn't won a cup obviously, but they've gone deep. They've gone deep in the playoffs. They've they you know they're proven winners. And so you kind of can get rid of someone like a Cole who who plays well but doesn't quite have that full game of you know not making those errors on a regular basis. The 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 sharpness and the ability to to quickly read a play, something that we've seen from uh like you mentioned before Bowen Byram is already kind of stepping up. I mean, he's had those plays at the walls where he kind of pushes it out to a player and he's not he's not it's not him just being like oh i'm just gonna toss it here like he knows that player is there and they've built right. that chemistry already so he knows he can beat it out to somebody and they're going to get it out of the zone and move from mm-hmm. and transition from that defensive mindset to that offensive pressure i, I see where Absolutely. you're going and i actually i actually like it and i agree with it you know you're right one of those stats that a lot of play that a lot of us don't see as fans or analysts or something like that, or we just plainly ignore, is the the unforced errors, the turnovers, and stuff like that. There was a game I went to last year. Ian Cole, again down in the corner doing his job, had a guy. Mike, I think you were with with me at this game. Mm-hmm. Oh yeah. Ian Cole sitting down in the corner, and he's like. He's got like a good three foot gap between him and the guy against the wall, and like he just kind of, uh, you know, kind of, you know, shoves him in the back just a little bit, just trying to, hey, I'm here, I'm watching you, and the guy just like shrugs him off, wraps around, and scores a goal. I'm like, you got to get up on that guy, you got to shove him into the wall, walk, jam, jam the puck with your skate, and let somebody else come over and do the poke check thing and pull the puck out and. You know, whatever happens from there happens from there. And I think that right. speaks to what you were talking about with Ian Cole. You know, there are times where he yeah. plays great defensively, and there are times where the first errors and turnovers really happen or it leads to leads to a goal. Yeah, so, absolutely. Um, and with the impressive play of, I think, Ryan Graves last year, not so much this year, the acquisition of Devin Tays, Kale McCarr now officially burning a year of his contract, of his ELC contract, and, you know, Sam Gerrard, Connor Timmons being up, Jacob McDonald being available. You have all this defensive ability. Why not trim some of the fat? You still got right. Eric Johnson around. Right. So, um, in a way, yes, I agree. Um, Ian Cole had that veteran leadership. He has the experience of deep playoff runs and stuff. But the abs are starting to come into their own. A lot of these players now have that um, playoff experience. You know, going to two years consecutive game sevens and losing uh, in the second round, you know, is devastating. But I think this team is finally starting to put this all together. Um, we'll cover some surpri- other surprises with the Avalanche real quick, uh, and then we'll move into some other topics. A uh, couple of uh, interesting uh, um, players for the Avs. We'll each. We'll each pick one. We'll talk about them as we go. Uh, Mike, why don't you get us started? Who is your surprise pick as far as performance for the Avalanche right now? Man, honestly, uh, I'm going to have to say Brandon Saad, man. Uh, 
just the way he was able to, I think we discussed in an earlier episode, the way he was able to, you know, he started off slow, right? You know, he, he wasn't, uh, we'll say, comfortable in his skates around his new team. Uh, kind of uh, a little, I, I won't say sluggish play, but kind of just like not up to speed, quote unquote. But the way he's just gelled with that second line. Good God, man. It's fun to watch him. He's become, he's become even more fun in a Colorado avalanche Jersey than he was, uh, you know, in the Hawks Jersey in their style of play. So my surprise pick is Brandon, Brandon Sodden, not necessarily surprise quote unquote, because he knew, you know, he was a constant 20 goal scorer a season. So, uh, it's, it's nice to see, to see him get his legs under and just be like, all right, cool. I can do this. Like, we got this shit. Like, we're good. <laughs> I'm good now. Yeah, Brandon saw the first the first week of hockey with the Avalanche. You know, he's kind of skating with the team, and he's skating down the ice, and he's like, oh, I was supposed to be there instead of over here? Okay, I'll get that next time. And you're starting to right. see him develop more. I think he's on that second power play unit with Donskoy and everybody. Um, you're starting to see them gel more. You're starting to see the, the tip-ins, the – the cross-eye speeds and everything, you're really starting to see them gel, and his point total starting to climb a little bit more, and I think his plus-minus is starting to starting to trend in a positive direction for him. So it's nice to see that, that happening for uh, for Brandon Saad. I, um, I've caught him a few times in Blackhawk uniform, um, not as much as you have, Mike, I'm, I'm sure, but it's definitely nice to see him contribute here. Um, and, you know, $5 million for a year seems like a pretty good price. We'll see if the Avs can retain him uh, this upcoming offseason. I'd really love to see him stay. Um, a lot of it's going to come down to contract negotiations for uh, a lot of different players. Um, Greg, anything on Brandon Saad? Uh, I completely agree with that pick. I, if Mike hadn't taken that, boy, that's right where I was going. <laughs> um, it's... It just speaks volumes to Joe Sackick that every year it seems he just he finds these players that you just end up kind of looking at the league going what happened like how do you guys let this happen how do you let Joe just completely rob everybody blind like this is just incredible yeah you know, when when he got uh, Nazem Kadri last season I was kind of Tyson like, Berry and Alex Kerfoot. Yeah. <laughs> okay. It's like, how do you let this happen? Like, oh, it's just, it, it's amazing. But yeah, when he got sought, I was, oh, I was just over the moon. And to see him, you know, come out and, you know, it's kind of funny because we all just kind of, we get so spoiled with how good the abs are and how good we see them, you know, especially late in the season going into playoffs and stuff. They're just so talented. And so, you know, when it, the first few games is kind of like, okay, you know, then we need to kind of relax, let them get their feet under them, and you know, kind of build up to to what we know that that they have. And my God, Brandon is just the epitome of that. You know, he just comes out and and just starts shining. It was like, oh my God, like we were really able to do this. Like, come <laughs> on. So yeah, it's, it's it's amazing to see to see Brandon doing what he is. Yeah. Meanwhile, um, Nikita Zadorov is sitting in Chicago. Like, I can't believe I. Have to oh deal my with God, this. dude. He's hating life, bro. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. Uh, 
it, it's hilarious. It's kind of hilarious to see. I, I feel bad for Nikita. You know, he was a big, he was a he was a, a fan favorite here in in Colorado, but um, his style of play just didn't fit the Avalanche mold, and he found himself in the doghouse more than ever. And now that Nikita Zadorov here isn't here, Ryan Graves is like, well, shit, somebody's got to sit in the doghouse. Might as well be me. <laughs> All right, Greg, your pick for surprise avalanche so far this season. Yeah, man, you know, it's it's kind of tough to pick just one. Um, I think I'm really going to have to go with Philip Grubauer on this one. He just, you know, I was, I'll be honest, I was definitely one of the ones during the offseason saying, man, we better be going for a goalie. You know, and it's, it's rough to say. I, I, I love Frankie. I, I really enjoyed what he was able to do when, when Philip went down with, injury uh towards the end of last season and you know so i was like okay i i i love these guys i i i'm entertained by them but are they really you know that that level that we need to be able to push us to where we want to be <laughs> grubauer just kind of came out and went yeah yeah we are and it was you know it's just it's been fantastic and like i was saying he's you know, third in the league in goals against, seventh right now for save percentage. You know, he's tied for for the lead with two shutouts already. Um, he's just he's been playing fantastic, and it's you know it, it's not like he's had easy games. No, you know, it's not like the Avs have just steamrolled everybody in front of him, so he's just gotten to kind of sit back there and, and you know pick his nose and get a win. You know, he's he's facing you know upper twenties, thirties, you know, high thirties shots almost every game that he's played and he's just, you know, he's risen to the occasion. Um, you know, there's, there's been a couple of saves that, that really stand out that, you know, you just go, man, this guy really wants to win. He really wants to do this for this team. And it's incredible to see, um, you know, and they always say your best penalty killer better be your goalie. And he's proven that. I mean, he now has, Shoot, I don't, I don't remember. I think just the one goal against him on the penalty kill. Yeah, just, I think in the last uh, five or six games, the Avalanche have killed all but one penalty. I think they went 22 for 23 before they gave right. up that penalty, that uh, goal to Kaprizov on Tuesday night, uh, right. which was their, their lone goal that game. But uh, you're right. Uh -huh. Philip Grubauer has completely stood on his head, and there are times I look at him like, how the hell did he do that? Or what did he just do? <laughs> Or you know he's right. he's sitting in goal and he goes from like like standing perfectly still to in the splits and I'm sitting at home going, ow, ow. <laughs> <laughs> I'm like I have aspirations to be a goalie too, but uh, I'm never doing that. Uh, or you're gonna have to help me back up. So it's quite impressive to see what Grubauer has done. And the thing a lot of people don't understand is outside of you know his experience in splitting in splitting uh, appearances with whoever's with him, whether it be Pavel Francouz or if it was uh, Semyon Varlamov while he was here, you know, he hasn't played over, you know, 30 games, 30, 35 games in a season. And right now he's looking at playing a majority of the 56 games. We've played, what, uh, 11, 11, 12, 12, 11 games, and he's played all but two so far? You know, that, that that's legit starter, like, Vezina Trophy candidate type work, type of work, you know. Consider what like what Vasilevsky sees down in Tampa Bay, or what Carter Hart's going to be seeing in Philadelphia and stuff like that. You know, it's absolutely it's quite impressive to see. Um, 
the big question that I think a lot of you know Avalanche fans want to know, and a lot of analysts are looking at, is can he maintain that pace for the rest of the season? Especially if you don't have a a, a, a solid you know, dependable, you know, goaltender like Pavel Francouz available to back him up on those back-to-back nights or when he needs, he needs, uh, he needs just, a, you know, hey, you go play this game. I need an additional day of rest or something. God forbid Philip Grubauer gets hurt. Because then we're running with Hunter Miska and Adam Werner, who are both AHL goaltenders. Uh, and yeah. I, I'm honestly not re- ready to trust either of them. So they're untested, honestly. I mean, yeah. think about it. <laughs> Hunter Miskus had two starts in the NHL. Both have been losses. Granted, he looks to be playing pretty well and reading the play and everything, but the the team in front of him hasn't performed as well as what they have in front of Philip. And I think it's just that uh, you know that confidence from the players that they fill in Grubauer, which they haven't developed for Miska yet. Uh, and it, it's a two-way street. Both sides got to be like, "Hey, look, we're playing for you. You play for us, and hopefully, we'll win." Which uh, yep. brings up the thing. Hopefully, you know, which goaltender will they protect right now? It looks like the obvious choice is going to be Philip Grubauer, um, as far as protecting the goaltender. And Mike and I have discussed this later. Hopefully, I'm hopeful that we see Eustace and Noonan join the Avalanche roster next season um, as a training camp invitee and probably play some with, with the Eagles. And maybe he'll see some uh, some call-up time with the Avs. We'll definitely see him in preseason if there is a preseason next year. But um, Avalanche fans have a lot to look forward to with this young goaltender, Eustace and Noonan, who's currently playing over in Finland. Yep, absolutely. Uh, Mike, same thing uh, with Greg. Do you have any bits or anything you want to add about Philip Grubauer, his uh, his surprise pick for the apps? I mean, I think I touched on it earlier, man. It's exciting to see Philip Grubauer in that, you know, anytime, you know, number 31, stay, you know, if it comes on the TV or if, uh, you know, it's announced over radio with the great Connor McGahee, as long as 31 is taking the, uh, you know, in between the pipes that night, I'm feeling good. You know, the, the guys know I think have a have a sense of what Phillips' mindset is, uh, especially when he goes into games. I mean, how can he not? Obviously, he's he's on your team. He's he's essentially the potential first star of the game if he throws a shutout. You know, I mean, so I'm excited anytime Phillip takes the ice, and uh, I just want him to. You know, you touched on it. Can he stay healthy? Yeah. And God forbid if he doesn't, like you know, it's not like an oh shit moment, but. It's kind of a no shit moment, yeah. you know. Like, um, uh, which so, NHL I mean, like, team can we go? Can we go pluck a goaltender from right now? Because if Grubauer goes down and Francois isn't back, I'm sorry, I'm Sackick. I'm on the phone. I'm calling somebody. I'm like, hey, I need a goaltender. Who you got? Uh-huh. You know, and uh-huh. hope you're hoping that the GM on the other side doesn't have caller ID and sees that yeah. Joe Sackick calling. <laughs> you. Yeah. Hopefully they're not picking it up yet. Okay, as as for me, I wanted to give you guys a chance. I didn't want to steal your thunder. I know, Greg, Mike stole your thunder by taking Brandon Saad, so you went with Philip Grubauer. For me, and I know a lot of fans might hate me for it because apparently this dude does not get enough love from the Avalanche community and they don't want him on the roster anymore, my pick is Tyson Uh Jost. 
Okay. Number 17 has absolutely been performing way better than expected this season so far. I understand a lot of people expect a lot more from a number 10, an overall number 10 pick. But in retrospect, you look at the amount of talent on this team, and Tyson Joe sitting on that fourth line is exactly where he needs to be. He's not necessarily putting the puck on inside the goal. He's got plenty of assists right now. But the stat that really, really benefits us is he's a top, I believe he's number one or number two as far as defensive forwards right now in the league. I mean, the guy is absolutely skating his butt off and defending the puck, defending the net well, forechecking well. And when that fourth line gets a chance to shine, they are absolutely shining. You know, with the changes going on, JT with McKinnon out, JT Confer moved up to the first line. Tyson Jost got put on that fourth line center with uh, Logan O'Connor and Keeper Sherwood. And Jared Bednar was like, look, dude, this is your time to shine. This is your line. This is your, your squad. Lead them. Take, you know, take off with it and do what you got to do. And what have they done? This Minnesota series, that fourth line has been the centerpiece in that Minnesota series before it got suspended. They 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 push the pace of play. They force the offense, and that's what's led to goals. That's why Logan O'Connor currently has two goals. Kafer Sherwood has a goal, and between the four of them, I think they've got like two or three assists over that uh, a piece at some point or another over that Minnesota series. So. For me, I'm impressed by number 17's style of play so far, and I hope he keeps it going because if that's the case, if he plays like this, I would happily protect Tyson Jost when it comes to the uh, when it comes to the expansion draft to keep him to to center that that fourth line or even the third line should other players go missing or get traded or or taken in the expansion draft. Mike, any thoughts on Tyson Jost? Man, you know now that you th- now that you talk about it, you know Tyson just he hasn't been really putting you know pucks in net, but good God Almighty, has he absorbed that Calvert energy or what? Oh yeah, I mean just pestering all the offensive you know the offensive team, the offensive uh, squad for the other team. Good God, man, he's all over the ice. I mean that's that's a really good call. Um, if he continues to put. Uh, as much pressure as he's doing now on the other team, yeah, um, I'll, I'll, be, I'll be right there with you, man. I'm not quite there yet, but if I continue to see what you're seeing, then, yeah, I'll, by all means, I'll definitely uh, advocate for his protection come the expansion draft. Greg, what about you? Any any feelings on Tyson Jost? Oh, absolutely. I'm, I'm right there with you, man, 100%. I... Yeah, I, I definitely noticed him a lot last year in the in the playoffs, especially that uh, that first series against Arizona. He just he flies, man, and and you know, like Mike just said, he's he's picked up that Matt Calvert energy, you know. And there's a reason that he's on the second power uh, penalty kill. You know, penalty kill. It, it, it's funny because a lot of people don't think about how much of an honor it really is to be on the penalty kill. That is the most trust a coach can give you is to say, hey, we're down a man, and I'm going to make sure you're one of the guys that's on the ice right now. You know, and he just, he thrives when he's out there. Yeah, and, and like you say, he's, he doesn't really have this the stats right now, but it's just a matter of time. I mean, he's, I think he's hit like four or five posts already, yeah. and like it's, it's going to start going in, and he's going to start seeing those numbers, and he just, 
you know, he's he's a force to be reckoned with. I mean, he took the the opening face off against Minnesota in that uh, that four three loss on Sunday. Like, can you imagine how much like of an honor that is to have Bednar say, "Hey, you're going to start my game for me. Hey, you're going to be on the penalty kill." Like, and he just he, he has faith in the guy. I don't, you know, I'm to be honest. I see the the comments online too, and people are like, "Oh, he does. He shouldn't be on the team." And I disagree man this guy's killing it you know it's just a matter of time before the numbers start showing it as well yeah i think that's the big thing is uh a lot of fans especially with his overall draft pick like i said at number 10 in his draft class a lot of people sitting there is like there's no way a number 10 can continue to be on your team and fill a depth role at you know fourth line center or something like that but i mean every single team has those depth players you know Sometimes a number 10 pick just doesn't work out and they're out of the league or they're, you know, somebody else's trash that you have to worry about. But for us, he's finally found that role that he, he really sticks with and he, you know, he he performs very well at and he, he shines. And I agree with both of you guys. I think Matt Calvert just sat there and told him, was like, look, bro, yeah, you were a number 10 pick, but, you know, you're not Nathan McKinnon. You're not Miko Rantanen. You're not Nazem Kadri. You're not any of those big name guys. You're Tyson Jost. You are you. Play gritty. Play. Play your style, and right. Well, and, and just shine. You know, tell me that. Tell me that on almost any other team in the NHL right now, he's not second or third line center. Oh yeah, I could definitely yeah, see it. It's because of just the embarrassment of riches that the Avs have that he's even finding himself on fourth line and sometimes third line. You know, yeah. he jumps up there quite often. Yeah, you know, it's not like he's just cemented in fourth line and that's where he stays. It's because we have such a stellar fourth line that would be second liners on almost any other team in the NHL. That's why he's there. Oh, absolutely. I I completely agree. I mean, you could take Tyson Jost right now and throw him at Detroit, at Chicago. <laughs> And that'd be like second line dude, put him up there, mm-hmm. and he could po- he could potentially work with some other names and have more have more points and more goals and more assists. But I I think uh, the Avalanche don't want to let him go because they have so much depth, you know. And I I honestly, if I'm the Avalanche and he continues to perform this way, maybe you could entice some teams you know out there to to trade for him and get some get some draft capital or something else out of it, maybe a goaltender, who knows. But, you know, there it is. It sits there, and it's an enticing thought to look at. Um, might appease a lot of fans if we trade him, but me personally, I like him where he's at. Yep, same. Makes uh, sense. Makes there, sense. We've only covered three different, you know, surprise picks out there, but there are tons of players on the Avalanche who have surprised us in different ways. Devin Tays and his performance so far so far in coming over from the Islanders. You have Logan O'Connor getting his chance to shine. Keeper Sherwood, Jacob McDonald, all these young talents coming up and shining. Um, Valeri Nichuskin stepping up with that shorthanded goal, you know, proving that you don't need Matt Calvert to drive that that penalty kill and shorthanded energy. Um, Matt Calvert's rubbed off on a lot of these younger players and um, I sincerely hope he gets back on the ice sooner rather than later. Um, we're going to move on to the last topic of today's podcast, and that was the suspension of Avalanche hockey for the week, which has bummed many of us out. We're all sitting there like, what do I do now? Do I, you know... It's go- not official bye week, man. I just look at it that <laughs> way, bro. It's like, okay, I wasn't expecting this, whatever. 
I mean, you know, I didn't see the Avs come, you know, having to deal with the situation. Dallas dealt with it. Carolina dealt with it. Um, Detroit, New York, they're dealing with it right now. Pittsburgh's dealing with it now. The Devils dealt with it, you know. We're sitting there, Vegas dealt with it, and you're just like, oh, I hope it doesn't affect the Avs. And then you get a back-to-back -back <laughs> series with Minnesota, and Minnesota's like, uh, yeah, we had a couple guys test positive, but I think we got Oops. to them in time. And then they go through their contact tracing stuff, and they're like, oh, crap, we shouldn't have played this game on Sunday. You know? <laughs> Yep. And then they're like, uh, we'll be okay. We'll go to we'll go to Colorado and then after the game on Tuesday night they're like, Oh wait, six more Minnesota players tested positive. Let's continue to contact trace. Let's test everybody. And then Tyson Jost tests positive. And then Gabriel Landeskog tests positive. And the NHL's like, No, 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 no. We're done. You guys are shut down for the week. That's another reason they hate Minnesota, brother. Oh yeah, yeah, absolutely. I'm like, thanks, Minnesota. This is the only way. This is the way you're gonna try and win the West by you know infecting everybody else with COVID. <laughs> so oh, the Avalanche uh, got sus got postponed, uh, suspended for a week due to COVID protocols, and on top of that, the NHL uh, announced a wave of new uh, protocols. So the partition, the glass partition behind the benches has been removed. This is NHL wide. It's not just for specific teams. Um, they're going to remove those glass partitions. Hopefully that creates more airflow right there. They're putting uh, air purifiers in the, in the seats behind the benches to kind of uh, clean the air in that area and disinfect it, so to speak. Um, training staff will no longer be sitting behind the benches. They'll be sitting adjacent to the benches and the bleachers, if at all possible. But I don't really... Usually you don't see them because they have the, all those, you know, seats covered by the advertisement pieces. So I doubt we'll see trainers or anything sitting there like that. Um, they want them to expand uh, their social distancing within the locker rooms. So not just a glass partition on the benches, you know, you knock on your window, hey buddy, what's up, you know, <laughs> you kind of got to speak a little bit louder now to be heard. Um, any meetings that can be done virtually, they're having teams do that. And I think the big one, which I think may affect games moving forward, was the recommendation by the NHL that teams not show up to games uh, earlier than an hour and 45 minutes before the game. Um, Greg and Mike, as you guys know, most teams show up, players start showing up three, four hours before the game to, you know, do their warm-up, their stretches, any minor conditioning things, at, you know, and equipment repair or preparation before the game. Um, so I'm interested to see how that's going to affect everything. And then the fact that the NHL is like, great, game's over, get the hell out, it's time to go home. So... <laughs> Uh, Mike, we'll start with you. You know, with these new uh, protocols in place, do you think this is uh, a positive step for the NHL to help uh, decrease potential COVID issues, or is this like the next step before a potential shutdown? Uh, I think you, you, you could probably make an argument for both. Okay, uh, the first thing that comes to mind is if they're going to remove the partition behind. Uh, 
behind the players, right? The players and yes. coaches and shit. Yeah. So if they're going to remove that, that just speaks to me. The first thing that comes to mind is that we're not going to be seeing fans in Ball Arena anytime soon, uh, uh, this season at least. And so that's that. That to me is a little bit of a bummer. Just as a diehard, you know, I I wait. You know, those three, the longest three months are summer. You know, as a kid, they were great, but as a hockey fan, they suck. You know, so um, that sucks. Uh, but at the same time, it's great for the players. As long as I get to see my hockey, I'm a happy guy. Sucks that I can't go in person, but you know what? Uh, a cleaner airflow and essentially the the air purifiers and the fans going and all this other stuff get a little bit more circulation. I think that's just going to negate uh covid uh cases you know the the testing positives so i'm a fan for it you know what if uh, the nhl has obviously done right at least by my standards as far as uh, conducting covid testing and uh, obviously we saw the huge tremendous amount of amount of success in the bubble during the playoffs last year uh so i'm excited you know great good uh it sucks as a fan, but you know what? At the same time, I can always watch them on TV or stream the game. So, you know what? I'm, I'm for it. It's good. To me, it's a good thing. Greg, your thoughts? Yeah, I mean, I'm kind of in the same boat, but yeah, I just I, I can't speak too much about it because I'm definitely not a scientist. Um, you know, but I'm I'm a big believer. You got to listen to the experts, and, and I, I believe that, you know, the NHL, Gary Bettman, everybody that's, that's kind of involved with this is – talking to the medical experts, talking to the scientists, hopefully getting the, the best possible advice. Um, you know, I think the biggest thing to me is that that hour and 45-minute um, window before before a uh, puck drop. And that's just, you know, as you're saying, like, that, that's just not enough time for, for a lot of players. And I know that's been a bit of an issue. I know uh, Andrew Kopp from the Winnipeg Jets actually was a, was a big proponent of um, fighting against that. You know, and, and trying to get that to change, which I think is why you know it it got changed um, from a mandatory thing into more of a recommendation. You know, and more of a well, you know, this is what you should do. But you know, if if you feel you definitely need that time to prepare, which you know, I, I I think a lot of people kind of do need that time to prepare. I just I don't know how many people are going to kind of go that way or more to see it as now this is what we were told to do and it's what we're going to do. So it's. It's, it's definitely uh it's interesting it's it's a shame as as everything been since this all started you know we all want to be there we all want to uh, be experiencing this with our team and, and with our friends and, and family in the arena but you know you just gotta you know hopefully listen to the science and hopefully the science is right on all of it and we can we can get where we need to so that we can do it again someday yeah absolutely uh i i think i think it's uh, as Micah brought up, they had so much su- success in the NHL bubble, but the other the 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 side of the NHL bubble we didn't see was um, the isolation from family and friends for the for the hockey players in general. That's why you saw Tuka Rask opt out of the of the playoffs um, with the Boston Bruins so early. He, you know he's like, I got to be with my family. You know I'm sorry, but I I can't stay here forever. Um, I think a lot of I think a lot of players spoke to, you know, the difficulty of being away from family and friends within the bubble, um, for as long as you are, especially those teams who went on to play in the Stanley Cup playoffs, or the the finals. Excuse me. 
So it, it's definitely to see, uh, interesting to see, and I think uh, I think it's the NHL trying to avoid having to go to division bubbles of some sort and uh, trying just trying to keep the more natural flow of home and away games available for for all the teams in general, and just try to keep that more natural flow to the to the to the game as much as possible. I mean, I can't imagine you know eight teams sitting in a bubble for another three, four months, you know, I, no, I, no, I personally would go insane no. being stuck. It's like, this is your hotel room. You don't come out except to go to hockey games. Have fun. Yeah. Like, I mean, that's a deployment in and of itself, man. I mean, <laughs> yeah, I did my eight years. Thank you. I'm completely done. I'm done. I did yeah. my eight years. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> that's right. So with that, that's going to wrap up a uh, majority of our show tonight. Um, a quick word, I do want to apologize. There's going to be a spot for those of you who do listen to the show, um, somewhere between the 9 and 10 minute mark, uh, where I pause the show due to a car accident outside my house or my apartment. Um, and we start, we had a topic, we dropped it, and we started talking again, and I just hit play. So these things happen when recording a podcast. Uh, we're working on getting better at it. Greg, I have to say thank you for joining us, and uh, of course, welcome to the Rocky Mountain Sports Report team and our in the our Avalanche team as well. Yeah, my pleasure, man. It's 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 been a it's been a joy. It was a lot of fun. Looking forward to more. Absolutely. Pleasure to meet you, brother. Yeah, you as well. What? Um, for those of you, uh, this is this podcast will drop on tuesdays uh at noon so please give us a listen you can find us on anchor.fm or you can just find us on spotify or any of your uh search us on any of your favorite podcast uh apps you can find us by uh, searching rocky mountain sports report slash avalanche give us a listen i believe this is episode five of our second season we started back in like december so i counted that as our first season we rolled over to 2021 so i was like 2020's over get rid of that crap start a new season uh so so here we are um as always thank you guys for listening if you do have comments concerns questions or anything you'd like to hear us talk about feel free to reach out to us uh you can reach out king cole rmsr at gmail.com leave your questions and comments there and we love hearing from you guys. You can also find the podcast shared on Facebook on the Rocky Mountain Sports Report page. And you can comment on there as well. That's it for me. Big Hirsch, thanks for joining me again. Greg, thanks for joining me. Um, I look forward to talking to you guys again soon. And hopefully uh, we get some better news this time next week with Avalanche Hockey starting back up. Next week... Uh, next week's episode may be a little bit shorter because we've covered pretty much everything for the next week of hockey because avalanche have no hockey so um please send comments questions in and hopefully we can if you guys get those in we'll talk about those next week all right guys that's gonna do it greg mike thanks for joining me guys Uh, absolutely brother go abs